You know, a lot of pastors preach out at different places, and they enjoy preaching out of their house more than in their house because how people respond to them, you know? And um, y'all are the best people in the world to preach to, period. I'm telling you, you guys are so much fun. I love being your pastor, and um, we're going to have a good time today, man, in the Word. But here's something we want to do first. We want to do some business first. How many know we need to be a house where we never get so big that we can't do the business of God? Amen? And you are the people of God. You are a force. Amen? And when we stand together in prayer, God does mighty things. And um, there's a need that we need to stand together in prayer today over. And um, Sharla Hager, her uncle, Dr. Paul Salee, who's a pastor, he had been doing some construction and fell from a fourth-story building. And um, they didn't expect him to make it through the weekend. He has made it. He is coming through. But today he has a huge surgery. And so I just want us to stand together. Like I said, I don't want us to ever be so big that we can't take time. Amen? Amen. So let's stand together and let's pray for Dr. Paul Salee. Father God, right now you've seen this faithful servant of yours. And Lord God, as he's facing this day, we ask to guide the doctor's hands. We thank you for your power and your ability to do a great miracle in this moment. And we just ask as a group together in agreement, in the name of Jesus, bring your healing touch to Dr. Paul Salee. In Jesus' name. Everybody give a big amen. Amen? You can have your seat. That's how he should be. Amen? I'm just being honest. I, I think a lot of times in our culture, in our world, you'll have people and they'll be like, hey, I'll be praying for that. Man, I want us to be a kind of people that go, hey, Daniel, let's pray for that right now. Yes, Jesus, right now. You know what I mean? Can we be that kind of people? As a, as a, I mean, I'm not talking like a show. I'm just being like, like that much realizing that without, wow, I have short legs. <laughs> like 44 years, I just realized that. In that moment. <laughs> no, but like, I'm being honest, just that idea that God, it's not in us, we know it, but we're going to quickly, quickly turn to you and ask for your intercession every chance, every opportunity that we get. Amen? For his good and glory. Amen? And so a couple things before we preach today. Let me throw out one more thing. There are people in this house that need us to fight lions for them um, on behalf of them. And, and what that is from pastor, I just want you to hear this. Those are children. We have children in this house that we need to be lion fighters for them. Amen? And so you've been hearing that we're revamping our elementary ministry. And on November, that first Sunday, November, it'll be the relaunch of our elementary Mo Kids. And a Mo Betta, Mo Betta, Mo Betta. It's good like it is, but it's going to be, everybody say Mo Betta. Yes, it is. And what's going to be more better is more opportunity for people to serve. And so right now, there's so many slots of volunteers each Sunday. We're expanding that so that there's more people in the room doing ministry, not babysitting these kids, bringing them up to be lion chasers. Amen? And so I need some more folks. We are looking for about 20 people. I can't remember what the number is now, what we're up to. But we need at least 15 or 10, maybe more people that want to make a difference in children's lives. See Pastor Amy. Let her know that you want to be a part of this relaunch. And that way they get your background checked and all that good stuff. And I'm I'm serious. These are people that need us to fight lions for them, to help them learn to be lion chasers. Amen. The next thing I want to bring to our attention is next Sunday, October 1st. This is going to be the launch of a new series next week, so you don't want to miss that. But I want you guys to be here because I'm going to make the most important, biggest announcement that I've ever made from this platform, all right? And so huge announcement, all right? So I want you guys to be here, and we want you to be here so bad that we got t-shirts for everybody. 
I'm s- swag. Yeah. And so the way that works is if you're an adult or a teenager, now we got 400 of them, okay? And so you got to be here. You got to get here. Well, we got 400 of them, so we should have enough. Um, but yeah, every adult, every teenager up to that 400th mark, so don't miss it. Be here next week for that announcement and for your free t-shirt, all right? Let's get started today. I don't do this very often where I read something funny, but this was hilarious to me because I don't like cats. And it's a series on lions, which I do like lions because they're not domesticated, okay? And and they're not in my house, you know what I mean? So a guy, he found a memo written poorly stuck to his toilet seat, and this is what it said on the memo, how to bathe your cat in eight easy steps, Go with me. Number one, thoroughly clean your toilet. Number two, lift both lids and add shampoo. Number three, find and soothe cat as you carry him to the bathroom. Number four, in one swift move, place cat in toilet, close both lids, and stand on top so cat cannot escape. Number five, the cat will (laughs) self-agitate. Woo! (laughs) And will produce ample suds. Ignore ruckus from inside toilet. Cat is enjoying this. (laughs) Number six, flush toilet three or four times. This provides power rinse, which is quite effective. Now, and mind you, this isn't in there, but the caveat, take the blue thing out of the tank first before any of this, all right? Because you will not have only a clean cat, you will have a, a blue, blue cat. Number seven, have someone outside door stand as far from toilet as possible and quickly lift both lids. Eight, clean cat will rock it out of the toilet and outdoors where he will air dry. And the note, the memo was written, um, signed, sincerely, the dog. (laughs) I love it. I love it. No, no, no. So there's a little levity when it comes to felines. But when it comes to the lions that we deal with as as people of God, um, it's not always full of levity, isn't it? It, Often it's just full of of just hardship and pain and anguish and and hurt. And so we've been looking over the last few weeks at how to be sober-minded, how to be ready for this. And our jumping off scripture, we're going to put it back on the screen. 1 Peter 5, verse 8 through 9 says, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. Now, I'm not going to teach too much into that scripture, but here's the thing you need to understand. If you've missed the last couple weeks, and we've had a lot of people in and out with holidays and Irma and all the other things going on, I, I get it. Go back and listen to the last couple Sundays if you would. But today what we want to bring us to is the story of Daniel and the lion's den, all right? And the reason why I want to look at this is Daniel had a lion's den, much like you may be facing a lion's den right now. And, and you may be in a lion's den of a broken marriage, okay? I don't know what your thing is. You may be in the lion's den of a broken family or maybe a broken relationship. And that's the treachery that you're dealing with. That's the pain. That's the anguish that you're facing right now. For you, it may be the lion's den of health that you're dealing with. It may be, for you 20-somethings, maybe the lion's den of wealth 
How many broke 20-somethings in the house? Yeah, yeah. Now, here's what's going to happen. How many 40 and 50-year-olds? How many broke 40 and 50? Yeah, woo! Yeah. Still in the lion's den of, well, I get it, you know. No, no, but still, it may be that wealth, that, that struggle for finances might be the thing that you face, the thing that at times causes you maybe even to turn in bitterness toward God. Maybe for somebody in the room, it's the lion's den of addiction. Man, it's not a monkey on your back. It's a lion on your lap. And you think you have control, maybe. I don't even know, you know. But this thing's ready to devour, and maybe it's that lion's den. Maybe for some others here, you're going, Ross, I don't have any of those issues. But, but you know what? Maybe for you, it's the lion's den of apathy. You know, I just, when it comes to spiritual things, I just don't really care. I'm just not really that sober-minded, if you will, that vigilant, that watchful. I'm just not really that aware. I just, I'm just doing my life, as my daddy would say, all willy-nilly. Anybody's daddy said willy-nilly? Okay. All right. So, you know, I'm just going through life like this. So it's, maybe it's apathy for you. You know, I teach my kids all the time. It's like God doesn't care or Satan doesn't care if he pulls you out by sin or if he pushes you out some other way, as long as he makes you ineffective. That's all that matters, you know. So it might be apathy. Maybe you're very well, your lion's den. Can I tell you this morning, there's a way out of every lion's den. Amen? And it'd be easy for me to sermonize right there. Jesus is your way out of every lion's den. Jesus. I could, no, I'm just, but I, you could. You could sermonize all day long about Jesus. And he is. And listen, if you're here this morning and you're in a crisis right now, can I just be real serious with you? Guess what? Jesus is your way out. Amen? Yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. But, but I don't think God wants his people to always live crises to crises. I don't think God wants his people to always have to live miracle to miracle. Amen? I think God wants his people to live in such a way that we're sober-minded and vigilant, aware of this devour, and we're resisting him steadfast in our faith in such a way that we're ready ahead of the lion's den before the den ever comes, right? Even that scripture, when it says, be sober-minded, be watchful, this is something that's happening pre-crises. Do you see that? Because you're the devil roars like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may do. It's not happening yet. It's telling you to be watchful ahead of time. And so listen, if you're in a mess right now, God will make a way. But that's not what I'm talking about today. What I'm talking about is getting it figured out while you're ahead of the crisis. That happens before one ever even faces the lions in their life. So a surefire way out of a lion's den is this. You ready for it? Be ready before you ever face the lions, period. Just get ready before. What does it look like to resist him firm, steadfast in your faith? Let's stand to our feet. We're going to look at the narrative of Daniel. We'll extrapolate a few points from it. And we'll go home to chase lions. Amen? I feel sorry for the lions. I do. It says this in Daniel 6, chapter 1. Or chapter 6, verse, uh, number, verse 1, we'll start at. If it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom, and over them three high officials of whom Daniel was one, to whom these satraps should give account so that the king might suffer no loss. Don't miss that. Last week we talked about those mighty men of David and how amongst those mighty men of 30 mighty men, there was five, and amongst the five there was three. It sounds to me like God loves to set people apart. But I thought he was the same yesterday and forever. I thought he was the same for everybody, that he was not a respecter of persons. I, yes, you're right. It's just he likes some more than others. No, 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 no. It's not true. It's not true. But 
God's hand upon some is different than upon others. You will see that in Scripture. And here it's showing again these 120, but out of the 120, there's a few men, and Daniel's one of those, who God has a special touch on. And we're going to see why here in a little bit. Verse 3, Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps, because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom. But they couldn't find no ground. He's a great worker. We can't find one thing wrong with you. We have a personal beef with you. So what we're going to do is we're going to try to make this spiritual. That never happens. That never happens, does it? You get upset with somebody, you're like, well, I think God doesn't like that. But, you know, I, you turn it into something. Sp- well, hold on. Let's keep preaching. It says here, but they couldn't find any error or fault because he was faithful. Then these men said, we shall not find any ground or complaint against Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. So when Daniel, verse 10, knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber. He opened them towards Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day, and he prayed, and he gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Then they answered and said, verse 13, Before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he had heard these words, was much distressed, and he set his mind to deliver Daniel, and he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is a law of the Medes and Persians, that no injunction or ordinance that the king established can be changed. And then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve, continually deliver you. Father, right now, over the next few minutes, would you just give us some principles that we can live ahead of the crises, that we can prepare our hearts in such a way that we're ready for every lion's den. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You can have your seat. (coughs) First thing I want to look at, that first point, is this. Who you are going into the lion's den will greatly impact who you are coming out. It just will. We, we need to be focused on that. Not waiting till we're in the crises to figure out who we're going to become. But God, who am I now? And what am I doing in my connection with you to make a difference now? To be a difference? To live differently? To walk differently? What does that look like now ahead of the lines? Because the lines are going to come. It's just going to happen. How many is going through something right now? Be honest. Going th- Yes. Yeah, the lions will come. So what are we doing ahead of time is greatly going to impact how we come out on the other side. And when you look at Daniel, it says, Then this Daniel became distinguished above all. Do you see that? It goes on. And the other, other, higher than all the other officials and satraps, because he had an excellent spirit. As you read down a little further, you'll see, because he was faithful and he had no error or fault that was found in him, then these men came against him. And so we're going to look here that they tried to change Daniel, but Daniel couldn't help being faithful to God. They tried. When Daniel was a young man, teenager, maybe 18, 19 years old, he was taken from Israel and taken into Babylonian captivity. And as he was taken into Babylonian captivity, they changed his language. They literally changed his name, stopped calling him Daniel, and they started calling him Belteshazzar, you know, a a Medo-Persian name. Um, Just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, those young men, the same time period, all right? And those young men, just like Daniel, rose up, cream of the crop of the young people of Babylon. 
And they weren't Babylonians. But, but you have to understand, this is a man who everything tried to change him to become like the Medo-Persians. So when it came down, they changed his language, they changed his homeland, but they couldn't change his heart. Is that good? With all the changes that have taken place, Daniel is the same man now at what people think is probably about 90 years old that he was when he was 19. Is that awesome? Man, I want to be the same way at 90. I won't. I'll be blind because my people live old and they go blind. Not in the name of Jesus. But still, I'm just saying, live a long time. They just can't see. But this guy's 90 years old, and he is marked by three things. An excellent spirit. He's marked by being faithful. And he's marked by being distinguished above all others. I want to walk down through those three things just a little bit, all right? An excellent spirit. And when I, when I first thought, read that, my mind started thinking, well, that, that means that a spirit of excellence that anything Daniel did, he did well. But as I studied it, I came to realize that's not what it means. It doesn't mean a spirit of excellence. It means that his spirit excelled. It's different. Well, Ross, what do you mean it's different? It means that his spirit, the way he lived his life, his spirit jutted out before him. Isn't that cool? He, he didn't govern his life by his flesh. He governed his life by his spirit. That's what it means, that he had an excellence of spirit. It was that his spirit jutted out in front of him. And that when it came to the decisions he made, he lived by the spirit, not by the flesh. Oh, that'll help you. You start training yourself that way before you get into a lion's den. Amen? Man, I had testing yesterday in this. And all I could tell you is this, that my flesh so wanted Taco Bell, it was insane. I'm serious. And, and I know you're laughing at me, but I'm just being honest, you know. I, I had had a really, really, um, in the morning we had men's breakfast. And because so many men and things were gone, all our cookers were gone, Mitchie was gone, Chef Boy R. Mitch, you know. <laughs> and so we just got Chick-fil-A, you know. And, um, and so, and there was all sorts of things there to eat on the table for us, you know. And there was parfaits, man my size. Parfaits do not satiate, you know what I mean? They just... You know what I mean? So there's parfaits, and, and I'm taking the biscuit, and I'm scraping all this bread off, and I'm scraping the, the breading off, and I'm trying to do what I'm supposed to do because I'm working hard at this. And, um, and then I had a wedding afterwards. The families are over here. The kids, I'm sure, are on their honeymoon, as they should be. And um, so we had the wedding, and then I had some church plant calls I had to make. So I'm not getting home to like 3 or so in the afternoon. And all I can hear is Cholitos going, Venga aquí, por favor. You know, just wanting me to come and to, to consume. And I'm, I'm fighting. I know that doesn't sound like a big fight for you, but it is because I, I, I lose that. And then I lose the next choice the next day and the next choice. You know how that goes. And so yesterday, I'm just like, I got to preach on the spirit tomorrow. Help me, God. Let my spirit jut out in front of my, my, my flesh because Ross really wanted a taco. And as I say all that, it's like, oh, poor Ross, you know, no. Shush. Shut up. No, <laughs> that's a light affliction. I mean, that's not, there's, there's lines that are trying to destroy people in this room. I'd say way more severe than that. I'd say that. But health is a lion, man. It is. It's a huge lion. And it may not look like it's destroying you, but man, many of our fathers and mothers and people of that a little bit older generation are facing years of physical abuse as far as how they, ate, right? It's not what this is about. 
in my mind, I'm starting to own it like that. I'm starting to realize that this is a lion, you know? This is something, this addiction, if you will, for me. And so yesterday, man, I'm like, God, just let my spirit jut out. Just let me be governed by my spirit, not by my flesh. And that's what Daniel was. He was a man who just always made the right decision based on the spirit of God and the leading of God. And, and he wasn't driven by his flesh. Even when they offered him the foods that they had that would have been foods that would have been uh, offered up to the idols before they were served, they weren't kosher. No, they stood in opposition to that. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel did, you know? Why? Because they were living by, everybody say the spirit. The next thing you see is that he was faithful. A person who's faithful, they're true to their word, their promises, their vows. They're one who are, are thorough in the performance of their duty. That's why the king Darius loved Daniel so much. He was so faithful. He was a good, good man being faithful. It's not just spiritually faithful, not just excellence of spirit, but he was physically faithful as well in his employment. And this secular, this non-Jehovah-serving king could see that and could value that and could bring merit to that. One who is faithful is one who is steady in allegiance or affection. They're loyal, they're constant, they're reliable, they're trusted, they're believed. Adhering or true to fact, a standard or an original ideal. Daniel never backed up from being faithful to that original ideal. I am a child of God. That's how Daniel felt. You can put a different name on me, but I am still Daniel. I'm still a child of God. That's who I am. You can put me in a different place, make me speak a different language, but this is who I am. This is my first ideal. And he was faithful to that ideal. He honored King Darius with hard work and dedication. But listen, he had a king he worked for, but another king he lived for. Amen? I want to be that kind of guy. I want to have that kind of faithfulness. The, the last thing it says about Daniel that is so cool is that he is distinguished above all others. Distinguished above all others. There was a mark of prominence in him. There was a mark of superiority in him. Brian Choke, come on down. I didn't tell you to do it. Come here. This here... Is Brian Cho. This is our Dos Equis man. This is our, <laughs> the most interesting man in the world. No. I'll say the Dos Equis minus the beer, but <laughs> that would be a lie. lie. I'm kidding. So here's the thing I want to talk about. Prominence. Prominence. That's a prominent beard. That's a distinguishing beard right there. Amen? This, eh. Nobody goes, oh, Ross, the guy with the goatee. No. Oh, Ross, the guy with short arms. The guy that looks like a T-Rex. Pastor Rex, you know. But that's a distinguishing beard, amen? Give it up for Brian's beard. <laughs> that cracks me up. <laughs> but the idea of something that's prominent, that makes you stand out. Brian stands out. He's got this great beard. You always know when Brian's around, you know. You just got to love that. And so when it comes down to it, this guy was distinguished above all others. And here's the thing about it. When I read that a few weeks ago, my spirit jumped in my heart. 
And I'll tell you why. It made me think of a scripture. And the scripture made me think of was a passage. And I had to go find where it was. I knew it was a passage in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And it was a passage that talked about one being anointed with the oil of gladness more than their companion. And so when I read this, that this is distinguished above all others, my mind instantly thought of, wow, that distinguishing isn't just that you're prominent. That distinguishing is that you're anointed. Check this out. In Psalms 45, verse 7, it says, You have loved righteousness and you've hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with oil of gladness beyond your companions. Wait a second. I thought he's not a respecter of persons. Correct. Correct. In salvation. But you know there's some people that get touched by God in a significant way that sets them apart. Just being honest, you know. And we don't honor them as special. We, don't, we just love Jesus in them, you know. But man, there's just some people that God's just doing some neat things in and, and through. And guess what? It doesn't just need to be some people. It's you people. The promise is for you all. God wants to anoint and touch you. Amen? And what's beautiful is in Hebrews, it points that this is Jesus. Really, Hebrews 1.9 points to the scripture in affirmation of Jesus. And it calls back to this passage. And it's saying that the Son of God is the one who is anointed with the oil of gladness above his companions. What's beautiful is that Jesus lives on the inside of you. And you carry his anointing with you wherever you go. Amen? And so when I read this, I'm reading it in such a way. God, allow me to be set apart and walk in the anointing that you have. Because without it, you can't get through the lion's dens in your life. Without it, you can't do what God desires you to do. That anointing, um, the, the Hebrew word is mashah. It just means to rub or to smear. It just means that God has this special touch upon you. Don't you want that? I do. And here in a second, we're going to kind of see, I think, what kind of helped make that happen, all right? And so this idea of this distinguishing, I believe it's the anointing that sets you apart. What made the difference in Daniel's life, watch this, it says that he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber, and he opened them toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day, and he prayed, and he gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. This was his custom to pray and seek the face of God. What's beautiful about this is he starts off, I love this, with the idea of going to his upper, upper room and opening the windows towards Jerusalem. I just don't think it's an accident that it's an upper room looking towards Jerusalem. I, I kind of picture almost this like type and shadow of when Jesus said, go tarry in Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. And if you'll do that, the power of God will come upon you in such a way that you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem. In other words, you'll stand out. And when you stand out, people will see you, but they won't see you, they'll see me. That's what a witness is, amen? How you go through that lion's den, they'll see me. They won't see that you are of the void of facing lions, but when you face them, you face them differently. And I just, when I read that, I thought, man, that, that's an allusion to the hunger and passion to say, Spirit of God, touch me. Do a work in me. Anoint me for your service. Amen. And you could see this man, Daniel, he was in a place. He had a posture of humility. And he had this period of time that every day, three times a day, he would seek the face of God. And God was preparing him that no matter what lion's den he would have to face, he was going to get through. So how you live before God affects you when it comes to how you live before men. It just does. It's important on how you're living before God before you have to live before men in a way. 
If you bow before God, guess what? You can stand before anything. Amen? And the reason why some people, I think, succeed while others fail, it usually has very little to do with abilities. Very little. It, it, it usually has something to do with dedication, discipline, determination. Most of our failures can be traced back to a lack of discipline somewhere in our lives. That's why I'm working so hard to try to be disciplined. I've been trying to be disciplined in my food area for years, you know. Not going to quit. Not going to quit give, trying, you know. It's not about ability. It's about discipline. If you think about the people who excel in every area of life, whether it's business or sports or music or raising kids, building a home, whatever it is, those people who really excel are almost always the people who have discipline. Can I give you a, a word for discipline, at least in light of our series? Vigilance. They're vigilant, very dedicated, very vigilant people. And that's what God's saying. If you, if you want what it takes to get you ready before the lion's den, walk in discipline, walk in vigilance. You know, I think of young Atticus. Hi, Atticus. You were, the other two were in the first service. Um, um, the band, Aquashade. Have you heard of Aquashade? This is a daddy bragging, okay? So Atticus isn't my kid, but, but the bassist up here today with no shoes on. I will talk to her about that. No. <laughs> and her bib overalls. That's Auburn. And Auburn, Atticus, and Luke are in a band called Aquashade. And um, by the way, they'll be playing at Masquerade in a couple weeks. That's not an advertisement. That's not an advertisement. But listen, if you go, they all get a little cut from the experience. So it's still not an advertisement, but if you'll go, there's a better chance of Auburn getting out of my house sooner. So, <laughs> so maybe it is an advertisement. No. Um, but three or four years ago, these young people began to practice and practice and practice hours and hours and hours in their bedrooms, playing music, practicing and practicing. Drake, Right there you are. This guy here is, is amazing. He's looking at me like, why'd you do this to me? I'm just coming to church. But young man, man, plays guitar, travels all over the world, really. I mean, you're getting ready to go to Europe with Hillsong, and I'm, I will never do this to you again. He's like, you won't have a chance. I will never come back. <laughs> just kidding. It's Danny's boy. But, 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 but man, that young man has years of practicing and practicing and practicing, discipline and discipline, and then opportunity comes out of that, you know? And, and that's all I'm saying is on this side of the lion takes discipline, takes faithfulness. Amen? And I told you last week, lions aren't just negative things. Lions can be the opportunity in your life that you take it by the mane, rip its head off, and put it up on the wall and say, look what the Lord has done. You know? And this young man here is going all over the country, look what the Lord has done. You know? And this young man's preparing for that, you know? And so all I'm saying is that idea of dedication, discipline, vigilance. Everybody shout vigilance. Now, here's the thing about that. Your vigilance will come with a price. Then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. All the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors, the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce this injunction that whoever makes this petition to any god or man for 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Oh, great king. They're just schmoozing the king. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and the injunction. Watch this. Your vigilance will come with the price. I love this verse 10. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, you got, you got to love this guy's husband, you know. He went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. And that's when he began to pray. I love that. I know it's signed now. And so now, you know what? I'm not just going to pray. Open those windows up so everybody can hear. 
It wasn't that Daniel was trying to be showy. He just wanted to be determined. I'm not going to back down from my God. I have a king, yes, that I'm concerned about and I work for, but I have a greater king that I'm committed to, and I will not back down. There's that vigilance that he has. And you may be facing some stuff right now because you are doing right, not because you're doing wrong, you know? But listen, do right anyhow. Be vigilant anyhow. Be disciplined anyhow. Your vigilance may come with a price, but it's a price worth paying. There is a price to pay to draw close to God. I'm not, I'm not saying that there's a price that you have to pay for salvation, but to grow in that relationship with the Lord, it might be the price of time. Amen? It might be the price of priority. Maybe the price of focus, what has all of our attention. It may be the price, whatever it might be. As I'm speaking, the Spirit of God is so good at just dropping things in our heart. Oh, that's, that's my price. I need to pay for the vigilance I need to have. But here's the thing about it. That drawing close to God is where it's about, where, where it's at. Because we submit to God and we resist the devil and the devil flees. Didn't we start off with this saying that there's this devourer that comes and we're to resist him steadfast? We resist him firm in our faith? Yeah, yeah. How's that resistance happens? It happens by drawing close to God. Not worrying about the, the lion, but turning toward the things of God. And so verse 3, God's going to take care of the rest. Or number 3, we'll get to here in a second. But let, me, let me speak about Jason last week. Remember Jason Mitchell we brought on stage last week? Remember that? He, if you weren't here with us, we have a young man here who his wife's sister's boy, so his nephew by marriage, needed a kidney. And one of our momentum people, man, Jason Mitchell, gave his kidney up this week for his little nephew by marriage. Amen? And I want to report everything went well. It's going good. Praise the Lord. Within the hour of that kidney being in little Donovan's body, it started producing urine, which is amazing, to which I told Jason, I always, always knew you're a little wizard. <laughs> but I'm so proud of Jason, man. It's one of those things where Jason, if you know Mitchell, you know, man, he's a Navy man. He's just, he is a man of excellent spirit. He's a faithful man. He, he's a man that just goes out of his way time and time again. And he's distinguished because of it. He's vigilant. And this wasn't Jason's first time going into the lion's den. There, there's a price to pay. He gave literally his kidney for this child. But it's not his first time going into the lion's den. But also it wasn't his first time pressing into the heart of God. If you look at Jason and, and, and Alicia, if you look at their lives, if you walk down this hall and go into the first classroom on the right, um, after the quiet room, you'll see a little thing called Cora's Library. And what Cora's library is, that was their baby girl. And that baby was born deceased when, when she was born. And you know you what? I've seen people who, man, in moments like that, bitter at God, angry at God, mad at God, losing the fight with the lion, running from the things of God. Why did you do this to me? But not the Mitchells. They pressed into God. They pressed into his heart. They pressed into his presence. The lie of the enemy came, but they resisted by turning and submitting to the leadership and the presence of the Lord. And they resisted the, the devil, and the devil fleed. Amen? And so when it comes to their lives, you know, um, um, they, they moved forward and started Cora's library. They moved forward and they, they got cuddle cots. They're little things that people with babies like that can experience their baby for a little longer before, before they have to take their baby away from them. And they put cuddle cots in hospitals all over. And, and basically all I'm saying is Jason is becoming one that has a habit of handing the lion his teeth. 
you know? I'm not trying to just brag on the man, but I don't know how to say it any other way, you know? Praise God for, for a young man like that, you know? In verse 18, or, 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 or the final point is this, that as you're going through those things, there is a point, though, when God will shut the lion's mouth. This week in little Donovan's life, the lion's mouth was shut, and he'll be able to run and play like any other boy. He got on his dirt bike the day before the surgery, and about five minutes later, he had to get off. He's just so weak and tired, you know? Color was all different looking, and, and just life has changed. There's a point when God shuts the lion's mouth. Verse 16 then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, May your God whom you serve continually deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den. And the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. A stone being put on the front of a cave and being sealed. Does that hearken to anybody a little bit of maybe some typology? They did the same to Jesus and it didn't work. Amen. Three days later, the king arose, and this is a picture of that right here. The God's at work, even when it looks like something might be dead in your life, God is still at work. In verse 18, then the king went to his place, his palace, and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. Then at break of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. As he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out, cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? This king loved Daniel. He's hoping that he's delivered. There are lost people in your life that are looking to see how you deal with the lion's dens that you're going through. There are. There's people wanting to see. And I believe if you'll strive to have your spirit out before your flesh, if you'll strive to walk in that sense of faithfulness, God will set you apart and anoint you and distinguish you in such a way that your friends that are watching, they won't see you. They'll see the King of kings and the Lord of lords. They'll see Jesus. It says, my God, he sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth, and they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him and also before you, O king. I have done no harm. I love it. Later on, you'll see in the story that, that the king begins to have people worshiping God, Jehovah, you know, worshiping Daniel's king because they saw Jesus through it. They saw God through it, rather. So there's a point that no matter what you're facing, God will bring it to pass. I'd like it to say it this way. If God brings you to it, God will bring you through it. Yes, he will. But I just want to know when I'm coming to it that I've done my part on this side. Amen? That I've strived for that excellent spirit, that I've strived in faithfulness, that I've strived, if you will, in, um, in um, um, I'm trying to be one that walks in the anointing of God. So the thing with it is your focus as you're going through those lion den experiences, your focus shouldn't be on the lions, but on the acts of vigilance towards your king. He worked for the king, as I said, but he worked towards the king of kings. He did this work for the king. He wasn't in contempt of his king when this all came down. He just was greaterly, more greater committed to the king of kings and the lord of lords. And so when it comes down to it, your focus shouldn't be on the lions, but on acts of vigilance toward the king. That's the idea of submitting and turning toward the things of God, pursuing that, and the lions are going to take care of themselves in a sense because Daniel, he got his promotion when his eyes were on God. Yeah, he did. But guess what else? He got thrown in the pit of lions when his eyes were on the Lord. Doesn't keep us from the pit. But he was also saved from the lion as his eyes were upon the Lord. His place 
His posture and his practice never changed. It was continual. That's how he was. He goes into the den. He continues in that place of humility, that practice. And next thing you know, you see God do a great work. In Daniel 6.13, it says, Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up and out of the den. So Daniel was taken up and out of the den, and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. There's that sense of trust that he had. Takes faith, takes trust to be able to be faithful, you know? So what's it costing you to be a follower of Jesus? Is that faith that you have this side of the lion's den, is it a faith of convenience? Or is there commitment there? I started this series off saying this was a series a little bit more for those, you know, to put your big boy britches on in a sense, you know? It was a series where I wanted you to learn to stand firm in your faith, not not your wife's faith, not your husband's faith, not your journey group leader's faith, not pastor's faith, but your faith. And I told you that first week, not an Americanized version of faith, a weak faith that you hold to that barely has the ability to hold you. No, 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 I'm, I'm talking about this faith like Daniel had, this commitment, this faithfulness to what God has put before you like Daniel had. The great part of being a follower of Christ is that when we make that kind of decision, to give up everything to follow him, to have that kind of dedication, to have that kind of commitment. He gives back more to us than we ever could give to him in the first place. Amen? Now, here's the thing I want you guys to understand before we close today. A sermon like this, if we're not careful, it will smack of the law. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? It'll smack of the law. Do better. Pray more. Sinless. If you'll do all that, you'll be more faithful. I hope you understand that's what I'm trying to get at. All right? It's not about the law. What I'm saying is take action of the access that God has given you to his presence. That's what Daniel did. And he did it three times a day. It was a submitting and turning toward the heart of God. And in doing so, he had access to all that God had. And he was called faithful. And he had an excellent spirit. And he was distinguished. He was anointed. I don't want you just to have more religious duties in your life, thinking God will take care of you if you just practice enough mitzvahs. Pastor, what's a mitzvah? A mitzvah is just a, a spiritual religious act or duty. It's a beautiful thing. But there was never enough mitzvahs to overcome the sin that the Jewish person had. There's never enough mitzvahs to overcome the sin that the Gentile person has. We needed Jesus. And so the scripture we saw here in verse 9 of 1 Peter 5, or verse 8, where it said, be sober-minded, be vigilant. Can I go back just a little as we close? Verse 6 and 7 of that same passage says, humble yourselves. Sounds like the posture of Daniel, doesn't it? Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Isn't that awesome? Then it says be sober-minded, be vigilant. Then it says get ready because your roaring lion is seeking whom he may devour. Get ready, get ready, get watchful. But not get watchful first. No, no, no. Humble yourself under his mighty hand. Have some fellowship with God. Get in his presence. And for Daniel... He had a practice of doing that three times a day. 
don't know what that's going to look like for you. But it's not religious duty. It's an invitation to relationship. Isn't that good? The reason why is because he is the ultimate lion fighter. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. And he will take on any adversary that raises his ugly head up to try to hurt one of his children. I want to close in prayer this morning. Father, right now as we close this series, would you help us, Jesus, to just see this whole thing as an invitation. How, how do we resist the enemy, firm in our faith? We draw close to you. We allow our spirit to lead us in connection to your spirit. We live out that walk, God. And so I just ask Jesus that you would give us a mind to run to you. And when we run into lions, and we will, we can have the confidence to know that you will show up every time. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Give God some praise. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Fuel for the Journey. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.